Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude, it is a decision, it is a project, it is a journey, it is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. The interview you're about to hear is one of the most transformational I've ever experienced. Amanda is brave and courageous and strong in a way that I've never seen before, so up close and so personal. The way that she talks about her identity and her power inspires me in ways that I never could have imagined. I'm excited for you to listen. I'm so excited today because I have Amanda Faird on here. What I love about my Love Self is I'm finding all these courageous women from all over the world who are like, yes, I'm in. And this is our first time connecting. So hello, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being courageous to step up to the virtual mic. I just want to give the audience a little bit of background. Amanda is a professional speaker, counselor. She's an emotional freedom technique practitioner, and she focuses on emotional wellness, grief, and self-care, which is just everything that we're interested in. (laughs) And we're going to get into how you became all of those things, but we have to start from the beginning. So first question, why did you say yes? I said yes because... I identify as a fat woman and I have been big since I was a child and I've also been confident and I've had a lot of people test that confidence. There's been moments where it has been tried and I've had, you know, depression and anxiety and had moments where I haven't loved myself as much as I could and should. And I fought back against that because I was like, no, I want that confidence back from when I was a kid, when I didn't know any different. And, um, so I said yes, because I want representation for us fat girls that are fat and fabulous and proud and love ourselves just as we are, because the more I step up and give permission to be fat and fabulous, the more other fat and fabulous women have permission to like step up and be okay with who they are and share their stories. I cannot even tell you how refreshing this is. I want to talk about the word fat because my whole entire life, I've only known it as a negative from my, from me. And about two years ago, when I went on my journey of being like, I'm sick of living like this. I had an eating disorder for three decades. I don't want to have my mind be miserable anymore. I had to remove the word fat and skinny from my vocabulary because the weight behind it was negative. How do you interpret it in a way that makes you feel proud and fabulous so we can hear it and not make it so yucky? Well, first of all, people that aren't truly fat need to stop calling themselves fat because it's not their word. It's Thank not a you. descriptor. They'll be like it's me nice... calling myself black. Right. It's <sighs> an identity. Exactly. And so 
you know, language has power. And so there are groups taking back their identity words that have been used and weaponized against them. So, you know, the N word or other words Weird. for other groups. Right, exactly. And so a lot of us fat folks are like, no, it's not a word that you get to weaponize against us anymore. It's not a word that you get to call yourself when you're bloated and having a day where you feel yucky. It's not a word where other people get to like throw it at us as an insult. Like we're owning it and we're owning it with pride and we are embodying it. And like, you don't get to shame us anymore, right? Like we're taking that power back. Um, so I'm all for, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm all body positivity. No, I'm body neutrality. Bodies need to be neutral because we all have them. They all come in different abilities, shapes, sizes, health levels, etc. But what we all, what I also fight for is fat liberation. Like just let fat people live. <laughs> like our fatness is none of your business. Oh my Lord. I can't even tell you. I, I know that there's a word, it starts with like re something about what you're talking about, where you take a group of people who've been marginalized for being a certain way, takes back that word and owns it, how you mentioned. And I will never think about it ever again, because I can hear you saying that's our word. Right. And that, I mean, that actually has a lot of weight. You know, it, it actually means so much more because what you're saying, at least I hear you saying is you're, you have no problem with your body. No. And when you give other women and men permission to hear you say that and look at you and hear them and then look at themselves, right? Because I can't even imagine what it must feel like to hear someone who's not actually fat say I'm fat. And then you feel so, I mean, how does that make you feel? Well, I lived it almost every day in the sorority house. So I was a sorority girl in college. Um, I joined my sophomore year, my freshman year, I kind of waited for the dust to settle and see who I knew ended up in what houses, right? So sophomore year, I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go and joined the house that, you know, had a mix, a, mis, a mixed bag of girls, right? Like I wasn't going to be the only fat girl in the house. And um, I'm in Montana. So Montana sororities are very different than like the stereotypical, like yeah. California or Texas type, you know, sororities. And so you get a very mixed um, set of girls, but I knew where I wanted to go because I knew the girls and, but I still, so many of my sisters would sit there and like grab parts of themselves or, oh, I'm so fat. And I, so my, my retaliation was always, don't make me get naked and show you what fat is. <sighs> Or don't make me sit on you and show you what fat is. I can't wait to get to the question and a few questions to find out where you got your confidence. But before that, I want to go over a few things. Um, tell me, how old are you? I am 42. Oh, I'm going to be 42 next the end of this month. Happy birthday to all of us. I actually love this age. Are you loving this age? Oh, I like literally felt a shift on my 40th birthday where I just didn't give a shit anymore what anybody thought. And it was the most fabulous thing. And it has just gotten exponentially better as I've gotten older. It is so fabulous. Okay, you would love, I have a quote. It's not mine. I stole it and I, I made it like a beautiful art piece. And it says, behold the field in which I grow my fucks, lay thine eyes upon it and see that it is barren. It's like one of my favorite to remind myself, like I don't have time for this anymore, right? right? Um, tell me, I just want to get a gauge of if, at a scale of one to 10, if one is I'm a monster to myself, I'm so mean, I hate how I talk to myself. 10 is I'm aware I'm a pretty incredible human. 
how would you rate yourself currently about your body image? You know, I'm the biggest I've ever been. COVID definitely hasn't helped. Um, so I'd say 9.5. Cause there's those moments where, you know, it sneaks in. Like I'm going live from a Facebook group that I started and doing some EFT tapping videos. And like, I'll look back and I'll start to critique myself and I stop it immediately. It's like, nope. So you no still problem. have the voice. Right, the voice still tries to sneak in and I know now how to shut it down immediately. So there's a woman, um, so I wrote a memoir called Seconds and Inches and there's a woman who wrote the foreword, her name is Jennifer Pasloff and she talks about that voice as her inner asshole, her IA. Yes. And when I have the voice too, I what I want everyone to understand is it's probably never going to go away, no. but we're going to give it less space yes. and less volume and shh, go away, right? So you have it, but you immediately address it and say, no, no, thank you. Exactly. Tell me about your ability to um, see your own worth, one to 10. You know, worth can be so tricky, right? Like looking at our bodies is one thing and we can learn to shut that down, but worth can get tied into so many of, like we attach it to people, we attach it to experiences, we attach it to, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're the like service, right? And if nobody, like if clients aren't banging down your door. And numbers you're like, and ratings right? and reviews. Exactly. So worth gets trickier. Would you so like me to define it better? Of, huh? What was Would that? You define it better? Well, no, I like for me, my definition of worth, like that gets trickier for me. So sometimes I struggle with that more. So that's like, whereas like my body image is a 9.5 worth is like an 8.5 because I got it. That's where I'm still doing a little more work. Yes. And me too, because mine needs to not be tied to results. Mm -hmm. And it's really only my business, the footwork I need to do. And especially as an entrepreneur and the results are not my business. Right. And it's really hard to separate those two, especially when your livelihood depends on it. So it's, well, and right? I'm learning the word yet. Things haven't happened yet. I love I that. I am planting the seeds now and I need to wait for the yet. Like I need to wait for things to bloom. And so that's my growth edge. <laughs> I love that. And we all know that things don't happen in our time frame that we'd like it to happen, right? And oh, we, we are such an instant gratification society. We want things now, 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 now. Tom, I'm guessing this one is pretty high, but tell me your ability to rate your own voice, your ability to use your voice to advocate for yourself. And I, I figured, um, what was the lowest it's ever been? You know, it's been pretty low. Um, I've been in abusive romantic relationships. I've, you know, had abuse in fam my family. I've also experienced horrible medical trauma and abuse. And in those moments, when you feel so powerless, it's hard to have a voice. Um, because you just, you feel like you can't win. And so you feel like you're not being heard. And so you just give up, but I now have tattooed on my inner right forearm, find your voice, speak your truth with a little microphone. And so that is there as a reminder for me to always find my voice and speak my truth. Well, you send it to me a picture of it because I yes. want, you know, just so you know, lady, I am tatted oh, I up. Because like, did you see Memento? I mean, we're the same age. <laughs> did you see the movie Memento a long time ago where he has- No. Uh -huh. Okay. The movie is not exciting, but what it, you'll love about this is, Amanda, this person has short-term memory loss. And I always call myself Dory from Finding Nemo because I can't remember <laughs> anything important. 
So he writes, he tattoos his body with things he needs to know, like Amanda is your sister. So he tattoos. Oh my his- gosh. And that's basically what we're doing, right? So, because we need to remember, say it again, tell me the name of it, what it says on your arm. It says, find your voice, speak your truth. And then it's got a little microphone on a stand. Will you promise you'll take a picture and send it to me? Yes, yes. Okay, I love it. So I want to ask you a question about something you just mentioned. Abusive relationships. I've been in them in terms of emotionally abusive ones. And when I look back today and when I see people that I coach or friends, who are currently in them, what I think, and I want to know what you think, is the reason why we're in them or we stay in them is because we don't see our worth. Exactly. Because if we don't know our worth, we can't use our voice. No, exactly. So you agree with that? I do. I very much agree with that. Can I ask you if it would be okay if I shared what you said about your childhood and your grandma? Yeah. Okay. So this is something Amanda shared with me on our form. And it says, I have been fat since I was a child. It's been a lifelong battle to embody confidence, especially since my grandma body and food shamed me as a young child. In my adulthood, I was able to get away from her voice and embrace myself as I am. So a couple of things. I want to cry when I, when I read that, because I hate that the young Amanda, the little girl had to endure that. And I also know that it made you who you are today, right? but I, I'm so sad that that was part of your story. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what the women were like around you when you were growing up and what you saw as what a woman's supposed to be like, positive or negative, beauty, body, worth, anything. So it was very contradictory. You know, my mom, I watched her kind of start to put on weight as I grew as a child, right? Because life changes, your body changes. And she came from a family of bigger people. So I, I had seen that, right? Like my one grandma was bigger. My grandpa, you know, my mom's parents, both bigger, but they also diabetes ran in the family. So there was also that. So my other side of my family had fear around health with weight, but they also were, my grandma had been very petite. Um, but of course, as she aged, you know, she'd had two kids. She was a ranch wife. Um, you know, hormones, et cetera, catch up with you. So inevitably we all get a little more padding. And she was so critical of her body that she handed that down to my dad. And I watched my dad go on diets and do things, which you don't always think about men when you think about that kind of stuff, right? You think it mostly um, affects women. And so it was my dad and her, his mom who became concerned about me when as a feral child that was running around all day long from sunup to sundown, I started to put on weight because they were concerned because they had seen my mom's side of the family and knew those health concerns, but I didn't understand it. You know, here I am seven, eight years old being taken to the doctor and getting poked and prodded and, you know, having these realizing that my family has these fears, right. And that there could be something wrong. And I'm like, I feel fine. Like, and they thought something was medically wrong with you. Right. And so, you know, yeah, blood sugars, all that came back fine. And Um, It wasn't until I was in my very late teens that we finally found out a diagnosis. I do have a chronic illness called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which does explain um, the weight. And so, but, you know, fast forward and like, I, I live in a family that we're a meat and potatoes, Italian family. So carb heavy, also growing up in Montana in the eighties, kind of a food desert situation, right? Like not a lot of fresh produce, except in the summer when my grandma's garden, you know, was available, So frozen or canned veggies, 
um, very limited in, you know, they say now like the most healthy thing to do is eat the rainbow. Well, eating the rainbow growing up in Montana was very limited. In fact, I hate red delicious apples to this day. And I don't really care for oranges because that was pretty much all we had with maybe some bananas and some grapes. And, you know, in the summer we loved it because we'd get watermelon or cantaloupe or honeydew, certain things like that would be available. Um, you know, and it wasn't until early adulthood that I got to experience that there's a whole lot more foods and fruits <laughs> and veggies out there. But being somebody with PCOS that we didn't know I had PCOS, eating the pastas and the breads and the baked homemade baked goods and all those things makes everything worse. Just right. We, I, we were setting me up to fail and we didn't know it. We couldn't know what we didn't know. We couldn't help it. We couldn't do anything. And so it wasn't until I was getting out of high school, going into college that we started to realize, okay, yes, there's a diagnosis. You know, I saw a nutritionist, some things changed, but it was determined. And I literally, I'm very woo. I've had my astrological chart done. My astrology chart even explains and says that I am predetermined to like be a big girl That's because amazing. Jupiter, Jupiter is right there with cancer around my birthday and Jupiter expands things. So I was just meant to be a big old voluptuous goddess from day one, whether I love, I love how you talk about yourself. Now, what I want to ask you when they were taking you to doctors, were they also speaking to you and about you in front of you about your body? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. What and kind so, of things did you hear? You know, I heard their concerns. I heard their fear. Um, like what did they say things that hurt you? Oh yeah. My grandma. So my grandpa loved my grandpa would buy five gallon buckets of Wilcoxon's chocolate ice cream and make himself a chocolate shake every night. He also loved Twinkies or Zingers. Sometimes that's what they were called in Montana. And he'd put them in the freezer. Yeah. And they're good. Would, we did Susie Q's oh, in the delicious. freezer because they're yeah. so good in the freezer. Yeah. So I would like, I would have to sneak one if I wanted one as a treat because my grandma would shame me around that. So but you she, already were sneaking food. Oh, right. Yeah. Totally sneaking food. But she baked. So there were constantly, she made maple bars, she made cookies, she made cinnamon rolls, she made cakes. There, you know, there was constant, and dessert always happened after a meal. So I literally, to this day, have had to work on figuring out how to cue my body that we're done with a meal. And like, because my body wants something sweet. A sweet after a meal is a signal that we're done. Because that's how I was literally right. from, from childhood to like signal what happens in a meal. Like you eat something savory and carby, you're heavy, and then you have something sweet and you're done. So I have a question. While you're hearing all this, which I can't imagine feels, it, feel, it must have felt so painful. At what point did you make the decision? Like, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a negative thing. Like I'm done with people. At what point did you own your power and make the decision that you wanted to change how you, you were gonna perceive yourself? You know, I think it really, I mean, you know, I've just always been me. I, my mother says I was the child that you couldn't tell me anything other, anything different. Like I was going to do what I was going to do. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to some degree and granted, I think that's where some of that abusiveness came in. Right. Cause there was no other way to reason with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the shifty and shady thing about my grandma is that she was doing it and my grandpa wasn't around to hear it. My dad and my mom weren't around to like, you know. Oh, no so adults it, heard it. No. It oh. was very, you know, like they had conversations about taking me to the doctor, but after that, it was very kind of, you know, she was very surreptitious about it. And 
obviously made me feel some kind of way that I couldn't really talk about it. Right. But I, yeah, like you said, sneaking food, right. Sneaking out to have milkshakes. So your parents didn't know that your grandmother was speaking to you. And were you not able to vocalize to them what was happening? I just think I didn't want anything to do with it. It was like, you know what, this is grandma. This is grandma's problem. Like, I'm just going to be me. And that's so so incredible, Amanda. I think that would have tore me apart. It hurt. It definitely hurt. Um, and you know, some of that resurfaced at her as she died and passed away. And like, I, there I am planning her funeral because I was her only granddaughter. I was the first grandchild and her only granddaughter. And so there was a lot, you know, oh, but your grandma just loves you. You're her only granddaughter. You're her, you know, this and that. And it's like, you guys have no clue like this. Cause I had grown up, I was grandpa's girl. Cause I started as a child before my brother came along and was old enough to like get me sent back in the house. I went out with grandpa. I was never in the house with grandma. I was out with grandpa. In fact, you know, my grandma wanted to make me this cute little girl with, you know, I had curly hair. So she wanted to have my hair perfect. And, you know, and I was like, I'm not a doll. Like, yeah. I, called, I called my grandma a son of a bitch at age three when she was trying to bathe me and get me ready for my dad to come pick me up. Because <gasps> I was just, I was a grandpa's girl. I wanted to be out in the mud. I wanted to be out with the livestock. I wanted to be out feeding cows, checking irrigation ditches, doing all the things. And then when my brother got old enough, he's four years younger. When he got old enough to go out with grandpa, I got kicked in the house with grandma. She criticized if I gave my, I had a Barbie coloring book and I would give my Barbies like wild makeup. It was the eighties. I, I mean, come on. I cut and my she, Barbie's hair all off and my grandma lost her shit. Oh my, I did the same. She I, was, I, I got in trouble. I was like, why? Why does she have to have long hair? Why can't she have a right. short, do like Demi Moore? Well, I cut one of my Barbie's hair off till it was the little spikes, you know, that come out of the, and then painted your nail, different colored fingernail polish. So she was a total punk rocker. Yeah, I got in trouble for that. But she would criticize how I colored because that, you know, Barbie shouldn't look like that. And if I colored outside the lines and she'd make me practice my penmanship. And I was like, I just want to be outside. I just want to, you know, and I do, she did teach me how to cook and she did teach me how to bake and things like that, that I am grateful for. And at the same time, there were lots more moments of this is horrible. In fact, when people compliment my penmanship to this day, I cringe. Right. You're like, I don't want it to be because you know what you had to do. I can see myself at the dining room table practicing handwriting instead of being outside playing like I wanted to. What was it like in school? Did you have the same confidence you have now when were were kids not kind to you in school? Because I know that kids, I mean, I got made fun of because I had a patch on my eye because I couldn't see. Kids will make fun of kids for anything that's not the same. So up until age 10, so through fourth grade, I was in a small town and everybody was accepting of everybody. In fact, I was the girl that got to go play football and kickball with the boys. Me like, too. I just, you know, I didn't care. And um, I didn't understand some of the girls that were like super girly and wore pretty dresses all the time. Like I just didn't get it. <laughs> and, um, and mostly because things didn't come in my sizes. Like I was already a big kid, so I didn't have pretty frilly dress options, you know? And I was okay with that. I was like, whatever. Right. And um, like, I can run around in pants way better than I can run around. <laughs> Anyways. And so then we moved to a bigger town. And for the first time in my life in fifth grade, I experienced clicks. Mm. And fifth and sixth grade and kind of into junior high were really hard because I was like, I was finally, yeah, being called fat and dealing with bullying and dealing. And I was just like, this isn't like whatever like that's right like you know and I was just but like, you liked yourself enough that you could go whatever 
which is I have to say is I mean pretty and I retaliated to some kids in some inappropriate ways right so there was a learning curve like <laughs> but you know what I don't know that that's inappropriate because like you said from the beginning it's no one's fucking business what right. size anyone's body is just like I told this on another episode but I was speaking somewhere and a man came up to me an older man and he said you'd be my type if your tits were bigger and I, and I, two minutes later, I started speaking. I was at a sobriety meeting. Like I couldn't, I couldn't swear at him or, and I remember like being shocked because I can't believe you just said that, but it's no one's business. And you know, what's so interesting. We think each other's body shapes and body, anything is our business to comment on. And it's right. not. No, it's not. It's not at all. In fact, if you, in it, like so many people want to, if they see somebody that's lost weight, they want to compliment it, right? You could be complimenting cancer. You could be complimenting eating disorders. You could be complimenting disease. Like just shut your mouth. And or divorce and that I can't right. eat. Right. Like, so right. you just don't know, which is why I truly hate the left and right pictures, the before and after. Mm -hmm. And because it really, really bothers me. Like it bothers my soul right. because what, people are saying is that the person I was on this side was not worthy, yep. but this one is right. And what does that mean? If that person can't keep up, whatever this, the starvation right. was they had to do to get to that place. Exactly. Just, I, I love, I love your energy. Will you tell us how you got to the place where you became a professional speaker and a counselor and a practitioner? So I experienced a multitude of losses in a 15 month span while going to grad school for my master's of social work. And so it was be home, deal, you know, support whoever's dying, deal with the business of death, come back to Portland, go back to grad school. And that wasn't working. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't honoring my emotional needs. I wasn't honoring my physical needs. And I literally started to, you know, our body keeps the score. There's a whole book about it, right? <laughs> like our body really does hold on to things. And it all caught up to me in January of 2018, life imploded. Um, so I just kind of like took a step back and was like, all right, I'm going to take a break from grad school and I'm going to really look at my life and see where I need to, you know, do the healing and honor my emotional needs and my physical needs and take care of my mental health. And in doing that, I, you know, had to get a little bit worse before I got better, but I got a therapist and I made plans and I actually got my dog and he was going to be my service dog in training until he turned out to be also disabled. Now we're, now we're buddies in disability. Um, I always have animals that have issues too. Like we can't just all be okay. Right. We all, my animals have to be sensitive and anxious. Like we're all the same. <laughs> and so, um, but like he got me back out in public because I literally become pretty much agoraphobic. I wasn't leaving my Was house. It except to go to what therapy. were you feeling inside that made you not want to leave? Just super social anxiety. I, and grief, my grief was so intense. I didn't know what was going to trigger it when, and I did not have the capacity to handle other people's responses to my emotions oh. because I'd be in the grocery store or target or random places and overhead music or something would trigger. And I'd literally be in tears before I knew what was even happening. And other people are really uncomfortable with that <laughs> and they don't know how to deal with it. And that comes, you know, like I was sensitive enough at that point that it was, I was taking that back in because I'm very empathic, very highly sensitive. And so I just needed to protect myself in that moment. So that was how I did it. And so started going to therapy and realized, no, 
grad school isn't what I want to finish. It isn't appropriate for me. It's no longer my path. Um, I was doing it for myself, yes, but also for those family members that had all just passed away. And I was like, nope, I'm just gonna, I gotta take care of me. And thankfully, I had gotten an inheritance, so I was able to do so financially to kind of take that break. Um, and I recognize that privilege, right? That's not a privilege a lot of people get when they need it. Uh, excuse me. And uh, so 2000, summer of 2019, a friend of mine who was also my best friend's brother-in-law died by suicide. And I went home and was kind of helping them through their grief journey and um, through the memorial and just kind of like doing all these things. And I got home and I was like, that felt really good. And it made a lot of sense and it was really helpful. And I was using like not only my lived experience, but my education and my passions. Maybe I'm ready to return to the working world but what does that look like? So I sat down with a friend of mine that's a business coach and we started tossing ideas around and we decided at that point that I'd be like a grief coach and emotional wellness coach. And then COVID hit. So I was like, okay, well, I'll keep learning. I'll keep healing. I'll keep growing. So I did more self-growth and self-healing hypnosis and all sorts of other things. And then I um, learned of EFT tapping, which is the emotional freedom techniques and I was like, I need this magic for not only myself, but for future clients. So I'm now um, certified as a basic practitioner and I'm learning the advanced techniques for that. And then I found out about a wellness counseling certification program through eCornell. And I was like, you know, I quit grad school in trauma brain. Trauma brain likes to bury everything. I need something to bring all those skills back to the forefront. So I took that certification program so I could be certified as a counselor and here I am now, like I'm using my lived experience, my, you know, work experience, my education, my passions, and all of that to pay it forward and help other women heal emotionally and get back in the driver's seat of their lives so that they, if they have those moments in target, right, inevitably where something triggers your emotions or your grief, you have the skills and tools to cope and manage that in a way that puts you in the driver's seat that you are responding instead of reacting. And that allows you to gain confidence and be empowered and step into your best badass self. I feel like I'm like witnessing one of God's most beautiful creations. Like Aww. I, because that's what we're supposed to do, right? But we're supposed to take the parts of us that we thought were broken, you know? And I always talk about this. I think it's called Wabi Sabi. Is that what it's called? Do you know what I'm talking uh -huh. about? It's um, an Asian tradition where they take a broken piece of pottery. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? The gold, yeah, I can't remember what right. that's called, but yeah. It's like a cool, weird word like that, yes. but they take the gold where all the broken places are because they think those are beautiful. And I wanna start honoring that and honoring that we have so much to offer so many people, but when we pretend that we're all okay, that no right. one, that's why I wanted to do this whole movement was because none of us are okay no. and we want we i don't want to like me and you we're, we're basically at god willing the half point of our life i do not want to spend the next 42 years wasting my time and energy about things about myself i don't like i right. want to be like living right right and so i'm excited for the world to get your help and at the end i'm going to ask you to tell us how to get in touch with you yeah. i have um, uh, one question before we get into our lightning round. What quote, did you remember to bring a quotation today? I do. Let me pull it up on my phone real quick. Yay. 
every time I ask that, I'm like, I wonder if they remember, but you all do. (laughs) So it is when she transformed into a butterfly, the caterpillar spoke not of her beauty, but of her weirdness. They wanted her to change back into what she had always been, but she had wings. And that's by Dean Jackson. That like makes me teary because that idea that people want us to go back to a certain place, but we can't because we've got wings and yep. we've become something else. And it's, if we, if we don't, that's when we break. Right. That's when suicide is an option. That's when the darkness comes because we, we know our truth and we have to go live it. I love, thank you. So, I've never heard that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it's one of okay, my lightning round, Amanda. All right. If you could go back to your teenage self when kids were being jerks and your grandma was telling you, you know, all that, what would you say to her today? I would tell her just to keep going that, you know, she is going to find her space and time where she's meant to be right where she's at and that she's okay. You've got this, you can do this. You're going to be okay. You've got, this is one of my favorite. I, um, I'm a walk runner. I used to be a runner, but I'm now just a walk runner. I, you know, do intervals. And I did my first half marathon two years ago. And when I saw someone holding just that simple sign, you've got this, it's not them telling me that they believe in me. It's me reminding me, I can do this, right? In terms of your body, what judgment would you like to let go of? You know, that voice that comes up when I look back at photos or videos, right? That I can, and just, I would like to be able to first celebrate, right? I want to get rid of that, that, you know, because the bat wings and the muffin topper, right? Like I immediately go to, and it's like, they're there. And I can either choose to do what I want to do, like to get rid of them, or I, you know, like they're there. Let's embrace them. I love that. What would you what would your 80 year old self say to you now? So 40 years from now, what do you think Amanda circa 2000 and I can't add <laughs> 2060 is going to say, Oh my God, what, what would she say to you? First, she'd be freaking amazed. We made it that far. Um, and part of that is I have skepticism, right? Like my dad was gone at 62, but my grandparents all did live until their eighties. And my great grandma lived well into her nineties. Um, but you know, as somebody with like, I'm not only fat, I'm also disabled. And so like, yeah, I think I would just be like, fuck yeah, we made it. Just happy, right? Right. And so what would the one, what would the Amanda that made it say to the Amanda today, who even with that small little teeny part of you that has that negative voice or that part of you that, you know, is wondering when I'm going to get to this next place, right. what would she say to you now? I think the same thing. You've got this, like, just keep going. You've got this. I love it. What is beautiful to you? Compassion. And I have it framed here behind me, I think. And, you know, like Brene Brown talks about it quite a bit and I love her, but not everybody has it. Or like, it's something you really, and I, my nickname is the badass of holding compassionate space. Wait, say it again. I love it. Yeah. I'm the badass of holding compassionate space because compassion really is my ruling value and virtue because it is so beautiful when you can just hold space for other people just as they are right where they're at the good the bad the ugly and just 
celebrate the fact that they are worthy of dignity and respect just because they are there. They so are would you say compassion is respecting people where they are? Yes, that every human being has inherent dignity and worth. I love that. What is What does it mean to be a strong woman? That you live in, a, in alignment with your values and that you are unwavering in knowing your values and your worth. I love that word unwavering. What do you want others to say about you when you're not in the room? You know, like my, I think it's my Angelou that says it's not about, you know, people aren't going to remember what you said or what you did. It's going to, you're, they're going to remember how you, they made you, you made them feel. That like chokes me up because right. it does. And so I just hope that people remember me for my heart and that I leave this world having made people feel better about themselves, about life, about whatever versus, you know, Harm reduction is the umbrella I operate under. I don't ever want to do harm. I am not a big crier. Not, not there's any judgment. I just, my body does not tend to do that. But you are making me feel teary because in a good, like my son says happy tears because that really matters more than anything. I talk about, I have three boys and they've all been made fun of. And we talk a lot about, you know, what people make us feel. Right. And I want, like, when you said you're a badass of holding compassionate space, what you want to make other people feel is that they were enough and that they right. were okay. And, and that, that they're safe and that they're of value. There's nothing more important on earth. Right. Two more questions. If you found out that December 31st, 2021 was your last day on earth, what would you do the rest of the year? Well, I got some money left still, so I'd be using that up, having some fun. You know, my dad taught me that it's about making the memories. You know, he knew that his time was short. He was battling cancer. And so it became about making the memories. And so that's, it would be doing things with my nephew and my mom and my friends and just making those memories. I love that because that actually is a concrete tool we can all use today when we're deciding between, do I need to clean this, put away the laundry, do this, or do I need to take my kid who's unexpected that we're gonna go and get like a milkshake somewhere, like right. out of, you know, on a Tuesday. So right. those little moments, and it's so interesting you said that because, you know, with COVID, I actually think there's a lot of blessings from COVID and there's also a lot of shitty things, but one of the blessings I'm finding is there's different experiences that are available to us now that were not available before. And so I made last night, I booked two of them because my, one of my kids wouldn't care about it, but I did two separate ones. They have like these outdoor candlelight concerts that are separate. They have them all over there under this thing called like fever. And mm -hmm. they have them where you're separated physically, you're outdoors and they have candles and they just play like beautiful classical music. Oh, and cool. it's not something I would have ever done before but I want to create memories with my kids because before it was just like, go, 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 go. We have to go here, right. here, here. And this is giving us needed space and time. Yes. Last question. And I can't wait to hear your answer. What would be your one piece of advice you would give every woman that you want them to hear today? Stand in your truth, right? It's find your voice, speak your truth, know your value, know your worth. I feel blessed to be in your presence. Aw. Will, you tell our, our, <laughs> will you tell the listeners how we can find you? 
Yes. So my business name is Value Yourself Counseling. So I have a Facebook biz page under Value Yourself Counseling. I have an Instagram under Value Yourself Counseling. And then I also have a Facebook group. It is for women identifying folks only. Sorry, men, you get enough space in this world just for you. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, and it is called Badass Women Breaking Barriers because as women, we are all facing barriers. So this is a space where we can come and talk about those things. I share EFT tapping in the group as well as some other fun stuff. And it's just a space for women to show up 100% themselves 100% of the time. So that's the good, the bad, the ugly, the real, the raw, the vulnerable. And then if people are interested in doing tapping with me or those things, I have an application process and that's just, it's a little bit link. So bit.ly slash VYC or yeah, VYC apply. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'll include all this in the, in the notes. And I, am I allowed to become a badass breaking barriers woman? Yes, please. Okay, join the group. I would love to, I would love to meet your humans. I want to thank you for your time and your energy. You made my life better today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and allowing, again, representation matters. So when we create these platforms and get our voices out there, it's giving other women permission to find their voice and speak their truth. So the more I can do that, the better the world becomes. And so thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate, review, and share with your lady friends. If you're ready to do the work it's going to take to love yourself as you are, your body, your worth, and your voice, please reach out to me at carlyisrael.com and we can connect. I offer one-on-one -on -one private coaching virtually, as well as small intimate groups. It's going to take a ton of work and a lot of commitment on your part, but I promise to be in your corner. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope you spread the light you feel with others so they can feel it too. La, 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 la,